Hey guys, Sklar Brothers here with Dan Van Kirk. Yes. From Dumb People Town, and we've got Adam from Adam Ruins Everything. Adam Conover on the show this Hello. week. Hello. Good time in Dumb People Town, right? I mean, you like to make people smarter. When they finish watching your show That's what and try to do. listen to your podcast, they try and be smarter. We are going to not be focusing on those people in this, <laughs> in this episode. No, but we are going to focus on possibly the greatest eyewitness to any one of our stories. Mulver. 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 The first story Mulver. has one of the greatest Dumb People Town characters everywhere ever and he didn't actually do anything wrong <laughs> check it out today's episode is brought to you by last rampage the new true crime film starring robert patrick heather graham and bruce davison and we had the pleasure of speaking to someone involved with the movie hi my name is heather graham and i'm playing dorothy tyson in the movie the last rampage the Last Rampage is a true story about uh, Gary Tyson and how his sons broke him out of prison, and uh, it's a very dark story, and Gary Tyson is not a good guy. I play his wife, and I'm super loyal and devoted to him, even though he's pretty much the worst person in the world. One thing I think is interesting about the movie is a lot of these movies, they tell a story about like, oh, this rebellious guy who was this cool gunslinger and, you know, he did it all these wrong things, but he did it for the right reason. And I think this story sort of turns that story on its head because it's got, at first you think he's a cool guy, but then you're like, no, this guy is just like a selfish, self-centered, narcissistic jerk. I like stories about real people. I think sometimes real life is stranger than fiction. Like, I mean, some of the stuff that happens, you just go, I can't believe this is real, but it's real. And then if you do more research, it's even stranger than the stuff they put in the script. It's just like, sometimes real life is stranger than fiction. Don't miss Last Rampage, the true story of the prison break of Gary Tyson. In theaters September 22nd and available for on-demand pre-order August 22nd. Find out more on Twitter by following at LastRampageFilm or on Facebook.com slash LastRampageFilm. Another episode of the X Files. Files. I'm Kamal Langiani, your host. Uh, usual stuff. E, um, you know, send a good review to iTunes. Five stars would be great. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Kamal and follow at X Files. Files. The subreddit X Files. Files is really, really good. Um, still getting a lot of great messages from you guys. A lot of great emails. So please continue to do that. And for that, you will email me at. The X Files Files at gmail.com. That's the X Files Files at gmail.com. Uh, this episode, uh, DC Pearson comes back. DC Pearson was on the second episode. I'm sure you guys will remember. We talk about Ephemasculata and Soft Light. Uh, Ephemasculata is a really great episode that I didn't remember at all. Um, and then Soft Light was also a good episode, and there's some like good, interesting stuff that happens in it. So, um, yeah. Uh, good review on iTunes, email me, tweet at me. Oh, uh, I should mention this. I've been reading the X-Files classic comic books, which, um, 
uh, IDW was kind enough to send me basically every X-Files comic book ever made. Uh, the season 10 ones, which are going right now by Joe Harris, which I've heard are really good, but I'm kind of waiting till I get through the TV show to do that because those tie into the mythology in like a pretty direct way. Uh, what I started reading was these comic books, the X-Files comic books that um, were coming out around season 2 and season 3. And uh, the ones I'm reading, the first few episodes, the first few issues are written by a man named Stefan Petrucha, Petruca, Petrucha, something like that. And they're really, really good. You know, I was kind of expecting comic books that would be, you know, I, I don't know what I was expecting. I'd never really heard of these. They're called X-Files Classics. That's how they've re-released them. But it's really good. It's sort of an alternate story. It's the same characters, but um, they do different kinds of... Um, Stories, it's sort of, sort of almost like EC Comics meets X-Files. So, you know, those old, like, Tales from the Crypty kind of things. So there's something a little pulpier. They can also draw, like, crazy huge aliens and stuff that you don't have the budget for on TV. So, um, all of his stories, Stefan Petrucci's stories, were really, really interesting. And a lot of them talk about the nature of memory and Mulder's quest for his sister or, or the truth about what happened to his sister is a major part of them. And... It's really interesting. Like I said, it's sort of an alternate universe X-Files. Uh, I really like them. Uh, so I do recommend those. I haven't read the others yet, but I do recommend those. Um, all right, here's the episode. Hope you guys like it. When I used to skip episodes, people really hated it. Mm. And now I'm not skipping any, and people are like, maybe you should skip some episodes. Oh. But I find that actually the ones about the bad episodes, mm. sometimes people like this podcast more. Right. Like you, there's just more to break down and say what doesn't work and make fun of right then like that was awesome yeah no that makes sense yeah it's like there's there's almost more to dissect because it's like you have some, there's a distance between the ideal of the show as you know it and then like this episode was kind of whack so you can yeah actually fill in it's also as good. Opposed to just going like it was great great x-files yeah nailed it Mulder's great god is great i think it's also part of it is i like watching the bad ones and trying to be articulate what it is about bad episodes right. that doesn't work. Like, it'll be like Mulder and Scully are too passive or something right. like that. So, DC Pearson is here. Hey, guys. Thanks for coming back. You were in episode two That's right. of this thing. Uh, thank you for coming back. Um, so, we're talking about two episodes. We're talking about F. Emasculata and Soft Light. F. Emasculata, as soon as you came in, you were, like, super timely, huh? I know. Very it's top fucking too Ebola topical. It's fuck. Yeah. Two ongoing. <laughs> it's happening right now. Not cool. It's crazy because um, we'll talk about the episode, but Darren Mooney, who's a who's been reviewing X Files, uh, he's reviewing them currently, and he's mm. a really great writer. And I've referenced him a bunch. He wrote the review of this episode like two weeks ago, and he talks about how, or like three weeks ago, he talks about how like in the mid '90s there was this crazy Ebola scare, and, right? And and it's so funny that in three weeks, or it just. It's it's back yeah. and it's bigger than ever. It's so crazy. Ebola so just great Ebola PR. just goes to show you, like believe in your dreams. Yeah, totally. You can hang in there. Yeah, Ebola had a total like like reconnaissance. Is that <laughs> what it's called? It's so big. Yeah, it's uh, it's well, it's, it's it, it was. I just feel like there were too many elements of this episode that were like almost exactly like if you much like me. Somewhat of a hypochondriac, somewhat overactive imagination. I know that's something they say about first graders, but it's also true of me. <laughs> um, that there, you just can't 
hell like it basically is completely dissecting everything about this bulwark of of uh not being paranoid about ebola that you've built by like reading all these articles it's like it's fine you're not going to get ebola it's totally yeah. cool. here's the facts and you're trying to demystify it and de-scarify it for yourself and then this episode is like but that's all a lie yeah no that's they're all just a lie. lying to you i mean it's got that whole very specific thing that happens in every movie where there's an outbreak where it's like, well, there's a new disease, but nobody knows about it. And then right. people hear and they're like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. And then it keeps escalating. Right. And you hear like, that's how contagion opens. That's right. how outbreak opens. And we're hearing it fucking in real life. People in like white lab coats doing press conferences. We're fine. Right. So this is what happens 10 minutes into any movie where we die of a disease. Well, it's, all, it's also a, a nightmare if you are a control freak. Because I think if you are a, if you if you have like any amount of um, if you're if you're any amount neurotic, there's always this. I think for me as a as a neurotic person, there is like that fear that like something's gonna like get away or kind of break away and like go crazy, and you're not gonna be able to control it. And so hearing about like vectors of diseases entering new populations like in this episode where there's like the two convicts that actually break out like the unplanned thing that that always goes wrong and then it's just out there in the world and there's nothing you can do and that human element that you can't control as you know a neurotic person like that is the sort of a crazy metaphor that's actually happening in the world now for like but there's stuff that's just going to happen and it's just going to break away and you won't be able to control and it's going to be out there at the bus station it's also genius that it's the people who have it are convicts they're escaped convicts so so you you don't know where they're you have to find them it's not like you know the people and then you can like that would be kind of boring like which like right now in real life those nurses have it emily was talking about how too boring for you huh it's not boring. It's, <laughs> it's it's horrifying to read. Right. I just mean like we know who they are. It's kind of genius right. where there's a police chase also involved. There's like so oh, many absolutely. different things going so on. So many genres. Yeah, this, th- this is a really great episode because it gets to a lot of things that are great about the X-Files. But Emily was saying this. She was like, these people who had Ebola here in America and were undiagnosed are also the most like social and active people of all time. They were all like taking flights everywhere. One woman tried on br- wedding dresses. Really? Yeah, I didn't she know was that. at a she went wedding gown shopping right. and tried on like a bunch of wedding gowns. So all these other like brides to be have been trying on these dresses. Oh. It's it's a horror. Yeah, I remember hearing about reading about when the the, the first guy that was diagnosed uh, or the first guy in America that had it, Thomas Duncan, that came to that came back here from Africa with it. How after he was taken to the hospital the second time because they tried to take him to the hospital and the hospital was like he's, he's good fine and he was like I just came from, from Liberia Africa. yeah I was like carrying people that had Ebola yeah they're like and they no, were like fine. chicken noodle soup yeah that's what you need they were like your your fever is not high enough and then the the, the, the was finished that sorry but there was they were so the, the the first batch of people that they were observing the like ninety or a hundred people that they were monitoring that they thought maybe he had had some exposure to one of them was like or no it was it it was a homeless guy had ridden in the ambulance after thomas duncan did it was like before that ambulance got off shift that yeah. night and then that homeless guy they were like they kept having to go check up on him even though he's like homeless so i don't yeah. know where you they, they gotta, gotta be like meet us at the outside the denny's or something yeah. every day yeah and then of course i mean understandably so the guy was like i don't want to 
show I don't want you knowing where I am all the time. So he just they there was I guess like a twelve hour period where they're like we don't know where that homeless guy is. That, and you just a whole wow. Stephen King novel just blossoms. Oh my god! In your head, you know what? It, it's also the thing of like the three people in America have it here. Thousands of people Thousands. are dying in yeah. West Africa, and it's really sad. But it, it unfortunately just reinforces this thinking that I think a lot of people have this bias of like Africa. There's crazy shit going right. on over there. Like it's a you know all that stuff, and I think this unfortunately it, it kind of like. I think the way people look at that part of the world is, is, I think, taking a step back right now because of it. Yeah, it's I so, think so, too. So and we were talking, too, before the, the mics were on about how there is this... I think it really brings to light this sort of cultural... Excuse me, this kind of culture war where on the left, it's like, hey, we live in like a global society. It's yes. super easy to get everywhere for people to communicate with each other all over the world it's it's, it's incredibly simple isis is on twitter you know like it's all i mean jesus very, Christ. it's it, it, it's it's uh um and and then on the right you have people that still view it as these like walled kingdoms where they're like if we just pull up the drawbridge it'll be fine it'll be fine and it's like it might as well be in Cincinnati. It might yeah. as well be in Seattle. It might like just how incredibly connected oh, the world yeah. is and how how fluid these borders are. Yeah. And it's not an argument for making the borders any less fluid. No. It's an argument for reacting to things that happen in the world yeah. that we have the ability to react to like they directly affect us, not like it's like, well, over there. Because I think as yeah. soon as as soon as that sentiment gets brought up, it's like, well, there the people just have this mental Africa yeah. where there's like and then there's a chicken running around and yeah, whatever. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. no. It's Africa. It's a pl it's a giant. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a giant play. It's it's. Uh, I, I don't I know. It's, out, it's frustrating. I, to I me. went to Breitbart.com today. I don't know why. Why did you do that? I did it because I've been sort of talk about a pulsating I, sore. Every third day, I'll get really angry about Gamergate, and I'll sort right. of get way too into it. I don't want to talk about it right now, but I'll get way too into it, and I'll get really like angry about it. And so Breitbart, which is this horrible right-wing website that doesn't ever give a shit about games, but now has like decided to like jump on this bandwagon, they had a whole thing about how article about how nobody from Africa should be allowed to leave. Just right, and it's like that's like you, like you said, it's like closing a door to keep out Wi-Fi. Like that's not gonna <laughs> fucking work. No, uh, no. It's it, yeah. Deal with it responsibly. Right. But, um. So this episode, I I watched it on a plane, which is not the best place nope. to watch it because it's super gruesome or uh, super gross. The boils and stuff, and like they don't shy away from anything. No. And I was sitting next to this old couple. And she looked over and she's like, what are you watching? I was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't think it was going to be like this. But I really loved the episodes. I had to keep watching it. And those boils keep coming back. Yeah, it was funny. I, I was remembering as I started to watch it last night with my girlfriend that there are... I hadn't seen the episode, but when I was a kid and when I was first into the X-Files, I was given for Christmas a like X-Files, like I think it was like unauthorized or something, like yeah. episode guide. So I yeah. had read oh, you more the episodes than I had seen. So as soon as he was in the jungle, I was like, I think I remember reading about this one because if you're like a 13-year-old kid, there's nothing you're going to remember more vividly than a description of a pulsating boar oh, yeah. sore exploding in a dude's face. Well, it's also funny because he, he, that happens to him and he 
kind of takes it in stride. He's like, oh, this again. It's part of the gig. Yeah. Oh, uh, Paying the, the dues. Job I love. Paying yeah, the dues. Exactly. Getting Paying my 10,000 hours in. Oh, my God. And then um, what I love, uh, Dean Norris is in this. Oh, that's that was so cool. Yeah, it was when it, I saw him in the credits, and we were both like, oh, that's awesome. And then when he shows up, it's he's such playing a perfect pre-Hank yeah, kind of character. Yeah, he's proto Hank. What I also like about that character is that it's very easy for that character to be an asshole and not want right. to play with the FBI. And in the beginning, he's a little reticent to work with them, reticent. But then he's a uh, fucking, he's on board and he's helping. Right. And he's like, it's, it's everybody's like kind of trying to work together. See, Inclu- current America. Yeah. Interagency collaboration. <laughs> no blame game. It's so funny that that's a thing that's such a part of like pop culture. But in real life, we have no idea if that's how it is. Like CIA and FBI and local police. Like right. every... Every movie that has those elements, they're like they hate each other. Oh, the fucking feds are here, but right. we don't know if that in real life we've never. Maybe heard they're about like, that. "Oh, sweet, the feds." Yes, what's thank up, dudes? You. Yeah, how you doing? Let's hang out. Aaron, donuts on I've you. I've decided that the yeah, feds are named names. Aaron. Aaron. Um, uh, 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 and it, this one is interesting because it it is all everybody kind of trying to work together, including kind of the cigarette smoking man, right? Right. Even he's sort of. Maybe I'm getting a little ahead. Well, let's go through as, uh, uh, man, there's so much to talk about. I liked in this episode that Mulder and Scully are sort of doing different, their own like specialties. So she's like doing like science shit Mm -hmm. and he's out there chasing after the bad guys. As he said, what, trying to cause trouble or something he says he has some great line she's like what are you gonna try to do and he's like yeah screw him up or something yeah exactly he says something great perfect yeah. molder line um but i i thought that the this one was good and that they both have like different things they're doing they both play their to their strengths and this episode really sort of it's a good Mulder and Scully episode because Mulder's all like let's figure out the truth like that the truth out there and scully's like no let's fucking save these people first right. and then we can he wants to do like a press release and she's right. like hey chill out well that's also i mean talk about something that only gets more and more relevant like the idea that especially now where you can literally disseminate anything forever always and the only choice that you have is like do i do it or not because if you put something out there it can just be out there oh it's out so there the forever. ideas of like what do you what responsibility do you have over the things that you put out there in the world, the information that you put out there in the world? It's super, I don't know, like this whole episode has like, it's got the kind of, to get all like art school about it, it has the like, you know, the information virus versus the literal virus and those things yeah, sort of competing exactly. with one another. Exactly. That's a very interesting thing to say because you do, I believe you should try and consider the consequences of whatever you're sharing. And um, again, not to go back to Gamergate, but right. that guy who sort of unwittingly launched it, the guy who said that his girlfriend right. cheated on him, whatever. I, I read an interview with them. First of all, I think we can all say that guy fucking sucks and he's a scumbag. I feel like even people who are pro-Gamergate are like, that's not a cool thing to do. Like, just deal with your shit, you know? Right. But so, and, and in this interview, he was like, really like, yeah, he had seemed to have no remorse. He was like, I'd do it again. Yeah, this thing happened. Who cares? I don't even know video games that well. It's crazy that he still has no regret, even though his actions directly led to this right. crazy big thing. Happened. Well, there's so much you can do from your computer that because you're not picking up 
a tool with your two hands or you're not and you're not seeing the faces of people exactly like that it. when you're yeah. dr when you've ended up driving people from their homes by releasing their personal information yeah. and threatening them that it doesn't really feel real to you because you're like i typed in words on a screen they saw words on a screen so ultimately i'm super removed from the consequences yeah. of my actions and it's it's I don't know, just not to draw metaphors where there aren't any, but like there really is, I think, something to the kind of what this episode is 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 saying where it's like sometimes just information being passed around has some you know as great a weight to people as actual virus actual viruses exactly and so yeah. and because and, and just it's just like it kind of goes back to something that i also another thing that i think will will upset an, an, another annoying bunch of people on the internet i'm not in favor of piracy online piracy i don't think it's cool to like download movies where you could just as easily like pay for them i don't think just because you can technology enables you to do something means that it's automatically okay to do it yeah and i would feel differently if i didn't know so many sort of people who in a previous age would be kind of quote-unquote middle-class artists that now because there's no um uh, because there, a lot of people don't have an ethical problem with just taking stuff for free. Yeah. Those people don't really get paid for their work. And I think that it's very easy to sit behind a computer and go like, well, I'm doing this thing. It was super easy to do yeah. and almost correlate that ease with... Uh, that was the right making thing Making it do? like a victimless exactly. thing. Yeah. Exactly. Victim yeah. yeah, exactly. Where it's like, you have, like, you're sitting there behind a the screen. You're a human being. Somebody else is yeah. on the other end of that. Yeah, and it's hard to think of that. And it's interesting because that is sort of the debate that Mulder and Scully have. Because to Mulder, it's like, just get the truth out there. That's all that matters. And Scully's right. like, no, it's going to have consequences. It's going to be bad. It's interesting because him and Cigarette Smoking Man have a really awesome conversation where he says that uh, we control the disease by controlling the information. And Mulder goes, you can't protect people by lying to them. And he goes, it's done every day. Right. Which is a great philosophical conversation. And he gets angry. C Cigarette Smoking Man runs out, talks to Scully, who kind of says what the Cigarette Smoking Man says. Right. It's, it's, it's such a great thing where you're like, if you, you know, if you think, of X-Files as having like one big bad guy, most people will say Cigarette Smoking Man. Right. In this episode, what he's saying is also what the moral center of the X-Files, who, who's Scully, because again, Mulder's sort of like a little like, it doesn't matter the consequences, let's just get the truth out there. The, the evil guy and the moral center agree in this episode. I right. thought that was really cool. Like, And you sort of see that it's not black and white what Cigarette Smoking Man does. You know, some of it is necessary right. stuff. Like, it might not be right, but it's, you know, sometimes it's good. It's the kind of issues that probably make it really suck to be elected president. <laughs> yes, of course, man. Of course. Like, I, again, not to get too off track, but the drone stuff. Like, that's right. something that f I, I hate and is horrible. And and Barack Obama, who we all think of as a good guy, is, like, very pro-drones. And, you know, I'm sure he's made a lot of calculations and... When you take the human element out, it just right. ra raises it the go, Yeah, it really does go back to this like distancing effect where it's like of course. you can do something with a keyboard and a mouse that you might not necessarily do if you had to do it yeah. where you could feel that person's breath. I saw a picture of these soldiers uh, holding these crazy rocket launchers that go like miles and miles and you just shoot something and you don't even see what it hits. And it said that the rocket launchers cost four times what this soldier makes in a year like it's which is a crazy right crazy thing but it's like in like but the rocket launcher can't die 
Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. That guy can die. It's a rocket so it's like, dies. we're not paying you as much as the thing that isn't even putting itself yeah. in mortal danger. There's no, like, videos of rocket launchers going home and their right. dogs being really excited now to see them. Now we're going to get in trouble with the AI <laughs> fucking ethics people. Exactly. Philip K. Dick's going to yeah. be on our ass. Um, that fucking, uh, those cockroaches, I don't know what they're called, but the big cockroaches you see in the beginning, whenever Ugh. they show up, I hate them. I always hate cockroaches, but those specific ones are horrible. That meat... The the meat in the cell, what a, that was so horrifying. Oh, like the like the leg or whatever. Yeah, the leg that they like sent to Send the prisoner. Him? Yeah, it also feels like pharmaceutical companies trying to figure out two things on that. One, please. Um, seems like a really inefficient way, like just to send actual meat. You could have sent like a box that had like a chocolate or something right. in it that gave it to him or something. Why did it have to be meat? It's so horrifying. The other thing. If they're developing, what they want to do is basically give this disease to these uh, prisoners and then try and use them to develop a vaccine. Right. But if it's a disease that's out in the middle of the jungle somewhere, that how much I don't know. How developing the vaccine is going to really make them a lot of money, right? I didn't. Yeah, I didn't necessarily. I mean, get a sense of whether the idea was like, is this the kind of thing where they're going to give us the disease so they can sell us the cure? Yeah, I don't Which know. Which, again, fucking contemporary, yeah. fucking, like, just the idea that you get addicted to your phone and then now there's, like, apps that are like, monitor your usage of your smartphone. Yeah, you guys did this to us. It will <laughs> you did this. Um, what we're trying to say is this episode contains, every, it would just predicted the year yes, 2014 exactly. and all of its aspects. I didn't get a note, but to go back to the point, I didn't get a sense if it was that or if it was they were just literally trying to be like someday 30 years from now where there's this outbreak we'll be like here's the cure we already yeah. have it or whatever i like sure. this one also there's a lot of x-files that are like you know because of globalization we're going into parts of the earth that right. we've never gone to before and we're unearthing crazy shit that's what ice was that's what the uh the one in the forest uh darkness falls that right. one that's and this one too the idea that we're going out into areas that maybe we should never really be going out to and like unearthing like crazy shit right and and also, this one isn't really an X-File, right? It's just like sort of a disease story. I right. That was yeah, cool well, too. they it's an X-File insofar as it has one of those super great X-Files, like ambiguous kind of 70s movie style endings where it's just like, well, what can you do? Yeah. Sort of a thing. Like, yeah. And they're just told like, oh, yeah. we're fucked. Something much bigger is, 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 is coming. Yeah, it's another one of those where um, you... Uh, it's a standalone that ties into the big mythology right. of the X-Files. So in that way, it's it's a pretty typical X-File uh, with the government doing shit right. that's bad. And, you know, our, our guy Mulder and Scully having a philosophical debate that really gets to the heart of right. a lot of the things that X-Files is concerned about. But the, the the case itself is just like a real disease that right. could actually happen. That I every time I, they would come on, I'd have to like turn the screen because this old lady was always so like so horrific. Yeah, she was like, "Whoa!" Well, she like sort of seemed to be judging me for watching it, which I'm like, I, "You you really think I'm into this?" I'm like, "Yeah, maybe I really get off on having old ladies watch, watch me pulsating yeah. sores. Uh, pulsating uh, sores. That is a website." Somewhere, yeah. Uh, oh, everything is a everything is a website. This episode definitely, it kind of, as far as you were talking about it being a really good Mulder and Scully episode, which I thought it was, it, and and this sort of the idea, which always is one of those inherently th those things about the, the the thing about the X Files, you just have to kind of accept, which is like they're working for the government, and they're continually running across 
quasi-governmental shadowy things that the U.S. government is involved in or yeah. or this this weird entity that they're clearly somehow related to yeah. and probably getting W-2s from the same like <laughs> payroll company or whatever. Right. Like, I was just thinking about it when they're walking out of like Skinner's office. I'm like, but their checks are still going to clear on Friday. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they yeah, still yeah. work at the they FBI. And so this thing that you have to kind of... They're at the company picnic. Exactly. Buy about the show that the government is theoretically employing the instrument of its own yeah whatever and 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 i was i was thinking about it and i was like i think that's maybe one of the things that make them so appealing as characters is i think that w- i i will say maybe we as like artists or entertainers um f- identify with so much but then I, I would expand it even more and again in a, a douchey college class kind of way to americans in general where like i think all i, I think if you make a living in art you kind of want to see yourself as a Mulder and Scully figure where it's like you kind of have to end up being employed by some element of quote unquote the machine. Yeah. But I think we all have this idea of ourselves as I'm going to be the person that's going to kind of change things or I'm going to be, yeah. be the thing inside of it that's going to move it to a better place. And I think in, in, in many cases, that's a completely valid idea. And I think we all we all sort of grapple with that in our own way. But I think many people that work in the arts have a similar idea of themselves if they're at all, you know, working inside of traditional structures, which 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 most of us do in, in, in one way or another. And then I think, too, to expand it, I think that most of us as Americans, if we know any little thing about American history or you read the newspaper ever, um, not to get all AM radio, but we know that we have a country have done like some really horrific fucked up things. Yes. And yet we all still like send in our taxes and we all do the whole thing. And even people that I know that are like fucking tower seven, man, jet fuel doesn't burn. They still, it's like, if you really believe that, how are you not in open rebellion against the government? And I, I, I think we all... How are you, like, showering and living your life? <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. And I think that we all... I, I think we have to kind of hold ourselves in our own heads as Mulder and Scully figures that are still inside of the system, yeah. but hopefully are going to kind of bring honesty well, or, I mean, or something so to it. I mean, so much of your life is trying to, like, not think about, you know, horrible stuff that's happening. Like, right. it would be like, like you know... It's easier to focus on three people getting Ebola in America because you don't have to think about 70,000 right. people having it in West Africa, right. you know? So, um, yeah, and they are figures within, like uh, like you said, within the very structure that they're right. trying to discredit. Which is great. But what's interesting about this one, and then also the next one, is there's these characters with them, like Skinner. Right. Who Skinner has a great line at the end where you say, I'm straddling the line that right. you keep. I'm str- I'm uh, I'm straddling the very line that you keep crossing. Right. I think Skinner is like another one who's on the spectrum with them, but you don't know where he is, and that's right. why he's such a great character. You know, like you know, Mulder always wants to do the right thing. Right. You know, Scully does, but with Skinner, you're not sure. Well, he kind of reminds me of a. There's a character in Sports Night that I feel like is he's maybe in multiple episodes. I can't remember. It's been a long time since I seen. I the know show. the show really well. Um, the William H Macy character. Yeah. Has, like the glass tubes speech. Yeah. Where correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like he comes in. He's kind of a great big asshole yes and they don't really like him yes and he's then like the he boss. ends up kind of defending them to 
I feel like a bigger structure or something. I can't. I'm trying to remember the context. Yeah, I of think his speech, that's what it is. Yeah, but he has a great speech about like the invention of television and how basically in the metaphor of literally creating television, the um, the technology, he's the guy who knows how to make the glass tubes, and so that the the people that's right that, that are and he views himself as this figure that they need because he's the person that's going to allow them to do what they do, which is make. Art, what goes through make the their... glass tubes exactly and so and I, I think skinner definitely is an interesting figure who go, they go very unheralded and unrewarded and they're usually i think yeah. by molder figures just viewed as like fuck you man yeah and it's like dude don't you re- your checks are still yeah, clearing that's i'm probably great... defending you yeah and that's why seconds. that's a great moment is that when he when he talks with cigarette smoking man and leaves and the scully tells him the same thing you know you realize like it, it's a tough line to walk i thought it was interesting i where uh, there's another part. This happens a lot in the X Files, where I find like in the mid '90s stuff that not, we know now that everyone knows. Maybe people then didn't know right. as much. So they say uh, CDC, the Center for Disease Control. Like they like ex- they say it fully. Where now you would just say CDC, and right. you know what that is. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's all too familiar. Again, this is great. But that nurse who got it called the CDC and was like, "Hey, I've been hanging out with Ebola people. Right. I have a high fever." Should I take this flight? And they said, yeah, take the flight. Right. And then they had to call 300 people to be like, hey, real bad news. Yeah, I think the CDC should be operating more from a place of trying to prevent diseases and less from a kind of like big gal pal, like do it. Yeah, yeah, sort yeah. Sort of, you know, live your truth. But it's also tr- it's also kind tough because it's, it's just one person. But you, you want to be super careful, but you don't also want to quarantine someone and spread like crazy fear. When oh, yeah, it, absolutely. It, I, mean, oh, that, I mean, it's all, all I think that um, it's another neat thing about the show is that it kind of venerates government employees at the same time as it like runs down other government employees. Yeah. It's, it's saying what what you hope and what I what I hope to be true as a as a liberal is that like there are people that work for the government and they actually are trying to do a good job. Yes. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, and it's like, exactly. I'm sure for those CDC I, people, yeah. like the, the line that they're walking, that they're straddling, as Skinner says, it's like incredibly yeah. like, well, like To go with the entertainment industry stuff you were saying, you know, among our peers, there's this sense that network execs and studio execs are the bad guy and you have right. to fight them and stuff. And you think that. I've met a ton of people who are very good at their job, who right. are great executives. Like Steve Asbell is a guy who works at Fox, produces like an X-Files movie, produces all the you know, Prometheus, the Ridley Scott mm-hmm. movies. And he was great, and he was really smart. And we, I had him on, and he talked about you know what he looks for when he's producing a movie, right. and and the notes he gave on the episode we talked about. You realize like, oh, it's everyone's just trying to do their job right. best they can. Some people are good at it, and some people are not, and some people have you know different priorities. But everyone's kind of trying to do a good job. Nobody's trying to fuck up. Right. Absolutely. Um, this one I thought was a really good one because in a lot of X Files like X-Files episodes, it's Mulder is the one who has a theory and it's going to chase and then Scully sort of tags along because she's trying to protect Mulder or something like that. This one was a good one in, in that both of them, like Scully also really needed to find out what was going on. Like, right. you know, her, because she's a scientist, she wanted to know what this disease was. So it did a good job of activating both of them in different ways. Um, oh, yeah, and they're almost in two parallel movies. Yeah, it's, it's so two cool. different, it really, yeah. It really reminded me of like a, like Silence of the Lambs or something <laughs> where it's like you get those great, like, there's this sort of like, uh, until they sort of collide, the like Hannibal Lecter movie, and then there's the out there in the Buffalo world, Bill movie. James Gum movie, you yeah. know, and, and it really, and the directing in this episode is so 
incredible. Oh yeah, so stunning. This like is... when Dean, the, like when Dean Norris shows up, or there's that shot right before an act break where Scully's like running after the. Uh, uh, he's a great actor. I don't know his name. He kind of reminds me of like a store brand Stephen Tobolowski. But the, the oh the, yeah, the, scientist. the doctor. Um, that guy was a great character. Super great, and and it, was, it did such a great job when he's like running away after he's been infected. Doctor Osborne. Yeah, he was awesome. He he. Uh, uh, and no disrespect to him, it's a good store that he's a store brand Stephen Tobolowski. It's like tar- he's the target brand. Yeah, Stephen Tobolowski. Um, uh, and uh, there's so, or or there's like a really long like shot at the end where that kind of pans across the top of like the buses where there's like all of these different agents kind of popping up because they're oh, all trying to... Oh, yeah. It's, so, that's it's a, like, that I can't last this sequence, TV in 1995. That whatever. last e- sequence is fucking... It's just re- directed by Rob Bowman, who directed the first X-Files movie, directed some of the best episodes. I mean, he did an amazing job. The last sequence on the bus is fucking amazing. And, and there's, like, cool little things in this one. First of all, before we move on, I want to mention real quick, you, the, uh, Dr. Osborne, very similar, he works for a pharmaceutical company that's ostensibly evil, but he's trying to do the right thing. Right. Uh, at least the best he can, and that's exactly what you were talking about. Yeah, well, absolutely. structures that might not be moral, trying to do moral things and change them from within. Absolutely. Um, there's a great, there's a lot of like great visual storytelling in this episode. Like, And I thought of the moment where he has the kid on the bus, and then he moves the kid right next to his fucking horrible oh. boil. But th- it's also cool when he calls his girlfriend is like, honey, I'm coming home. And you see that she's got a little kid, and in your head you're like, oh my God, this woman's going to get it? This fucking kid's right. going to get it. So, so it, does a, it does a great job of like saying things without saying them, just sort of showing them to you. Oh, absolutely. Also, pulsating sores, just the most horrifying image you can possibly get. I remember there was a there was like a the Flash TV show in like the early, late oh, 80s early 90s. Yeah. Do you remember that? And I remember like being so Shipp. excited about it. Yes, indeed. And being so excited about it and then like there was some episode and I was like really little I think. And there was some episode that like the cold open was like this dude like goes down an alley and I, I haven't seen this since I was a kid so I'm probably totally butchering it and he like injects like a I think like a homeless guy with like something yeah and the that's guy gets the like first a episode weird, oh really yeah he gets like a weird pulsating yes. sore and he's like looking at like a stopwatch yeah and just being deeply traumatized yeah. and like then that at the end, and Stephen King's it that was it yep yeah. in terms of uh, yes young horrifying they just uh, and then at the end of that episode he injects himself and becomes like this crazy mutant version of himself and then fights yeah that's the I believe that's the first that's the pilot of the Flash, the old Flash. Oof. Um, there's, there's, there's a new Flash that I've heard is good too. Um, you last time you were here, we talked about Squeeze and the weird bug crawling music from Squeeze is back Came in this episode back. too. Yeah, and and I ha- don't think I've heard it since the right. that sound. It's fucking great. It makes my skin crawl. Oh, the music in this is so good. Yeah, it's all, it's all good. Yeah, such a great, such a great episode. Uh, I really like the Doctor Osborne character, and I like that. Scully had like a little buddy in this one. I know. And I, I was really devastated when, first of all, Scully was being really reckless and he kind of saves her. Like, if it wasn't for him, Scully would have been the one getting like the juice in her face, right? Yeah, totally. And she's just going in without anything to just look she at the She has dead maybe kind of a old lady airport surgical mask yeah, on. Yeah, that's not doing anything. No, I think that's it was doing that's nothing. part of it. I think maybe we're just more germaphobic as a society, but so we're d- just looking at that. You're like, what? Come on. Yeah. Well, maybe that's gonna maybe when you're like keep you from getting like pesticide in your face when you're doing yard work. <laughs> exactly. Even that. Yeah. This isn't like a science project in your you know chemistry you're not class. Making a 
baking soda volcano. Exactly, exactly. You're dealing with a horrifying disease. But the, when he when he gets it, so he gets it instead of her because she's being a little reckless. Uh, but I like that because her scientific curiosity. I like when she gets to be passionate too, and her right. passion isn't just protecting Mulder. It's, right. it's something you know, uh, something else. Um, when he dies and you find him dead at the end and he's in the bag and they toss him in the incinerator, I was heartbroken. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. That guy was great. And you just see him like reduced to like And it just says firewood. his name on the, yeah. on the thing and he's going to be thrown in the incinerator. Oh, yeah, too, in another heartbreaking moment and like such a great acting moment by Gillian Anderson, but where she realizes she doesn't have it, but you don't know yet. Basically, oh, yeah. you, see her, like, you see her look through the microscope. Yeah. You see her kind of have this reaction that's like really big. So it's either yeah. really good or really bad. Yeah. And it's like when you're on the phone with, or you, you're with somebody and they're on the phone and you're like trying to read Wait, what, what their it? reaction is. Is it good? Is, is it, it good? Bad? Is it bad? Yeah. And, the, and then she like runs through the door and right when she runs through the door to tell him, like um, you see on her uh, face, yeah. Clearly, she's fine. Yeah. And then he's just gone. And so that all just, re- yeah. it's all no dialogue. Yeah. I, I, so incredible. I, I wrote down, I bet they did one take where she looks at it and goes, negative. And then <laughs> right. just. And like, they were like, we don't need that. We don't need yeah. that. And there was a guy that was like, just get it. Yeah. It's fine. That we'll does never feel use like it. A, yeah. We'll, we'll just never use it. it. Just, yeah. just get it. Negative. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Great news. Um, Score. Yeah. She has, like, no real sense of self-preservation in this one, which was, I guess it was kind of cool. Pharmaceutical companies, um, they've done some pretty horrible stuff in real life. And it's obviously they make medicine, which is, like, you know, a, a wonderful thing to make, obviously. But you hear the craziest stories about the stuff they do, how they manipulate, like, research and withhold medication. There was this kid... I forget what he had, but do you remember? This was three months ago. It was like an eight-year-old kid who had some virus, Mm -mm. and he was going to die. And there was this experimental drug that – so basically the FDA can like sort of make a – an exception and have an right. experimental I, I drug. Right, I saw they did that with the Ebola, like some Ebola. Oh, did they? Yeah. yeah, and it's only here. They don't even get right. to do But this company was like, no, we don't want to use it because they were afraid because this kid was really, really sick. I think they were afraid, like, oh, if we use it and the kid doesn't pull through because he's too sick, Bad then it's going to fucking hurt oh. our medication. And then they forced them to use it, and then they did, and the kid pulled through. Oh, that's So ultimately great. it, like, helped. Another argument for bureaucracy. Yes, exactly. Bureaucracy won this one. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What, but you always hear, like, those weird, like, like uh, when I was a little kid, my dad was in Pakistan. He was a doctor. And we would have, like, pens with drug names, and I would have, like, little magic kits with drug names on them because these pharmaceutical companies mm-hmm. would come to my dad and be, like, shower him with gifts and right. be like, hey, use our drugs. Horrible. Right. There's one drug that, oh, fuck, I forgot. It's, uh, you... you uh, it was on Reddit. There's a medication for some virus that uh, it's a condition that some people have. Mm-hmm. That's you have to have an injection every week for it, basically for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. and you're fine. But apparently, after a certain amount of time, patents expire or something. And so this company patent they didn't develop this. Mm-hmm. This pharmaceutical company, right. huge, uh, patented it and made it like twenty times as expensive. So Ugh. there's all these people right. that like now can't afford this medication. Right. And it's a drug that is that has been around for 40, 50 years. They Ugh. just and they didn't develop it. They just patented it. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. It's it, whenever it's the intersection of like healthcare and business. Bad things can happen, you know? Oh, yeah. It needs to be regulated. Well, it was interesting, too. I was thinking about in this episode as well, like, there is kind of a weird, there's such a conspiracy thing to it that's so intriguing, and it's, like, kind of the same thing as how 
super, uh, you know, every white person's uh, great uncle or somebody thinks about like Obamacare. Like it was all just this kind of blind for like they're gonna get you on a list and they're yeah. gonna kill your grandma. What are you and talking they're gonna, about? And they're gonna feed you into an incinerator yeah. for, for big cash exactly. or whatever well, that's the, the whatever the case may be. That's the thing. Like when I was thinking about when you said about the Building Seven thing, conspiracy theories. Like you have to believe that such like. Uh, uh, such organized stuff has to happen right. for that to be real. And they're fascinating stories. Um, I like also, we were talking about this a little bit, The uh, it's two things, it's the prisoner hunt and a disease mystery. And uh, both the, the, It's only 40 minutes long. It's like a full movie that they Jesus condensed down Christ. to 40 oh, minutes so, so quickly. Yeah. Um, there's that desperation at the end when Mulder is with the guy and the guy is, he's like, what was in the package? What was in the package? Like, it was meat. What was he? He thinks that there's going to be some big crazy answer that this right. prisoner is somehow going to help him. The prisoner doesn't know shit. No, it's he, nothing is ever going right. to, and he's going to die even if he doesn't get well, shot in the it's head. It's cool how Mulder there gets to apply the truth in a surgical way. Like that was the right person to tell the truth to. Yeah. Where he's basically like, they just infected you for no reason. It's fucked yeah. up that they did that. You're going to die, but. I Do need something. to tell you this so that you can make a change and like not take more people with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. That's exactly right. That was cool. There's a part where Mulder, they're talking. Mulder's like, how is it? They're trying to, they're like wondering how it's transmitted. Like, it's a pustule that shoots juice into your face. How do you think it's transmitted? <laughs> I think it might be the juice, right? It'd be the juice. The evil juice. It'd be juice. the gross juice. That was a terrible tie-in that Fox put out. <laughs> right. The masculata coolers. Oh, it was like thick. <laughs> just, just thick and tart. Uh, it's uh, the consistency of like bad yogurt. Um, that guy, the guy, the uh, Dr. Osborne, yep. when he talks about the company, that was lo a lot like uh, Alien, wasn't it? Where he keeps totally. referencing the company, the company. The company oh, they yeah. make such good villains. It's such a th the company makes great villains. So scary. The company's horrible. Cigarette uh, Smoking Man, we talks about the 1988 hemorrhagic fever was in Sacramento. Is that real? I don't think so. Mm. I don't know. Or I guess because he says we never told anybody, we never right? Told so that's anybody. I like that. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. So that was, uh, but that was a cool little detail. And then Scully says the same thing. And then that was cool where he's trying to talk to the convict's girlfriend. And he's like, you got to tell the truth about this, blah, blah, blah. You, you, you got to get this guy to come in because he's got this horrible disease. And she's like, if that's true, how come it's not on TV? Right. I thought that was such a, that's right. We just think like, just because it's not on TV. Even though it's like, happening right in front of you. Yeah. Like, if it was like, real, it would be on TV. Yeah, exactly. Oof. Why? Yeah, and that's crazy. That's how much the media controls what we think about, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. They can, they can, well, that's what you kind of do, especially I feel like when you're a teenager, you're kind of like, is the thing I'm experiencing real? Well, I've never seen it in a movie before, so maybe it's not. This isn't yeah. what normally happens. So. Right. I mean, I think that's what's so cool about hearing or reading stories about people who've been through similar shit where you're like, that is part of it. It's like, oh, I'm not alone. This happens Absolutely. to other people. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, this has a lot of the stuff that works great in like these sort of disease movies, like a dude on a bus and... Can you imagine if you're sitting on a bus and that guy walks in? You're like, oh no! I mean, he's exactly the guy that you think of when you're like, I have to take the uh, Greyhound uh, right. all the way across America. He's your worst nightmare. He's the worst guy to walk in. He was probably hired by Amtrak. Like, oh man, take the Greyhound. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no worries. Exactly. It's like literally <laughs> viral great... marketing. Oh, joke, there we joke, go. Joke, joke, oh joke. my god, super good. Uh, 
the conversation about truth versus what's good for people that was really good that's like sort of it starts off like such an action movie and then it really gets like sort of philosophical for totally. the uh, second half of it um, Dean Norris was great I'm just trying to see if there's anything I uh, oh yeah them crawling around on the buses was good That you, you brought that up that was that was really good and then I also like in shows like this where the big confrontation isn't a big physical one it's right. sort of a philosophical one it's like an emotional plea or whatever mm -hmm. that's why I think that conversation works so well there's a movie called um, shit it's Hugh Grant and fucking um, uh, who's I can't believe I can't think of his name Gene Hackman and Hugh Grant it's like Extraordinary Measures? Yes. Yes. What a horrible name. <laughs> it sounds like a cinematic like soft porn movie. Or a movie about like a guy that inspires like an orchestra of yeah. <laughs> urban youth. We need Extreme Measures. Pick up a but that was it. Maybe that was at Extreme Measures. Maybe not Extraordinary Measures. I think it is Extreme Measures. Okay. But it's a, uh, basically Gene Hackman is a guy who's been ex experimenting on people. And uh, Hugh Grant is a doctor who's like fighting it and kind of works for him. And at the end... Their big fight is like they have a philosophical conversation about it where he's like, uh, Gene Hackman's like, well, you know, I killed 40, but I'm going to save thousands of lives. And, and Hugh Grant's like, yeah, but they didn't choose to die. That's what's important. Right. They didn't choose to. So I like that movie a lot because it ends in a not a uh, a, a manufactured physical confrontation, right. but a confrontation that actually gets to the themes totally. of these characters and what they're talking yes. about. And I like that this one, same thing happens. If you like that kind of thing, uh, we were talking about it before the, the mics were on, but it can't hurt to also mention it while they're on, just in case people need a movie recommendation, Whiplash. Yeah. It's totally that. See the movie Whiplash if you get a chance, because uh -huh. it is like... It's incredibly active the entire time. There's very little like, this is what this represents and this is what this represents. But it, I feel like it's so clear and it's all done just through mostly like music and yeah. like action. Like there's no, there's very little of that discussion, but it's so incredibly just a, about two differing philosophies. And I'm making it sound, that sounds really boring. It's incredibly, incredibly no, it's, riveting. No, it's, it's a movie Super about a good. drummer and his teacher and the teacher like, pushes them in ways that basically are... it's about like if you push someone and they ultimately become great does that make every time you as a teacher or as a mentor were ever a terrible asshole to everyone does that make it worth it yeah and do it... the ends justify the means exactly yeah um the bullet through the glass that silences the truth is a line i wrote because i was alone on a plane and just feeling really emotional because that guy gets hit in the head. Right. Oh, and I, I like it too that you don't see like, and then this guy shot him. It's no, just it's like, just like just came somebody. from nowhere. Just yeah. happened. Yeah. And the guy just fucking a terrible policeman. Itchy trigger finger. Uh, postal error, they talk about that, right? You really, um, where they think uh, uh, that it was like a mistake made, that they were sending it. This company was just sending meat back and forth, <laughs> and uh, it ended you know up how they going are. to this. I initially thought that the thing was going to be that the reason, because they wonder, like, why did Cigarette Smoking Man, why did Skinner put us on this case? I thought initially they put him on so that they would kind of get the disease and die. Mm. But but that wasn't ever anything that came up or anyone even considered. I thought what was happening to them was what happened to the prisoner with the meat. Like, basically, they were, you know, the prisoners were now the meat. Right. And that uh, Mulder and Scully were the prisoners now, like, getting the disease mm. from them, take them out of the picture. Right, That's, right, right. I thought that was going to be part of it, but it wasn't. Um, stand in the line that you keep crossing. Oh, he says, watch your back. This is just the beginning. I oh. got really fucking excited. I know. It is. It's only season two. Totally. There's so much more great stuff right. coming.
Um, I really thought that episode was awesome. Totally. Yeah. Well, it's and so great too as, as an episode that completely is outside of the overarching conspiracy storyline, but yet really is just like this is the type of thing that's going to happen. Yeah, like it, and and exactly it shades it in, even though it's not literally about the overarching meta plot. Right, but it sort of is like conspiracies that you know we shadowy things are happening, that sort of thing, and somebody. Darren Mooney again on his blog, movie movie blog, was talking about how like in season two especially there were a lot of like standalones that sort of tied into the conspiracy in some way. Like the Secret Smoking Man shows up in this, and he says that after this they get like discreet. Like the Monster of the Week ones have nothing to do with the overarching story, uh, and then the overarching story never really ties into anything right. else. Um, but here there's still like even the next one, right? There's mm-hmm. like a so the next one is Soft Light which is Vince Gilligan's first episode that he wrote. And from what I understand, um, Chris Carter had met him because he'd written this movie called uh, Walder Napalm, right? And Chris Carter, they, they had to do 26 episodes that season and was just like going to every writer he knew. was like, <laughs> do you have any ideas? Like, right. we have run out of ideas. And so he was in his hotel room and saw a shadow and he came up with this idea. I thought the opening in this one was really cool because... When you see the shadow crawl under the door, I was like, what the fuck is that? Um, But his shadow's made of dark matter. If you think about it, there's really no way, even science fiction-wise, that that makes sense. Why would it be that the light hitting a person and then the absence of that light would cause dark matter to... Happen. It's it's such a weird. Yeah, you just kind of go with it at a certain. You just point, have to I go guess. with it. I, yeah. I, I feel like there was some indication that like it had sort of made him into this prism or something by which if like light passes through him, then that ref- or something like there was something about it passing through him or 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 staying inside of him or something that vaguely in the moment I'm like, oh, fair enough. He's yeah. black hole. Shadows black hole. Got do it. You, uh, do you know what dark matter is? Dark matter. No, I not really. At, dark matter is basically, uh, it's theoretical matter right. that they know is there because uh, if you look at um, the universe, right. it seems like there's way much, way more stuff there than we can actually see. They said if there wasn't, like, the, if you observe gravity. Um, Gravity is acting as if a bigger mass exists than they're actually right. that we can observe. So basically, dark matter is a theoretical particles that we don't have the technology to observe yet. Right. Weirdly, just today, an article came out today that um, a university found uh, it thinks that it. Um, observed the first actual dark matter. It's these particles called axioms, which are, uh, again, theoretical. We've never observed them, but they're pretty sure that they're there, and they, they think that they got actual proof of it uh, being emitted from the sun. So dark matter oh, wow. is matter that is there, but that we can't see, but it's there because the universe acts like it's there. So it's it's crazy huh. shit. It's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. I read a bunch of articles where, like, you know, physicists making the case for why it exists because right. there's some crazy people that are like there if you can't see it it's not there like, well there's like the it's, there. it's it's like that okay so we had a problem with the recording and we missed something but we don't know why uh, but blame, I, th- I blame dark matter okay great there <laughs> and we're back and we're back so uh, this one uh, what I did like about this one was first of all Tony Shalhoub makes everything better oh. there's a, something about that guy that makes you want to like like him you're on his side and I think the the best monster when he says stay away from me 
it's such a poor the best monsters are the ones that harm without wanting to like right. that's why Frankenstein's monster is so compelling you know uh, Godzilla and stuff like those kinds of monsters that have humanity so I thought that was really cool it's a guy who can't help but cause right. destruction until there's a specific point where he's like kind of fuck you and then he kills Scully's student right which is pretty intense. Well, he it seems like he's basically figured out in his mind how he can I'm try I'm trying to remember exactly. It was late, but like um how he can either make himself better or he can like somehow achieve some scientific thing that he was hoping to like when he gets back to the lab he's basically like okay we got to do this th- or, or 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 they can like or he knows how to fix it yeah exactly but then his friends like no this is the first time we have proof we've right. been doing trying to do this our whole right. lives and yeah. so he clearly views the you know um scully's student as some kind of threat to that yes. or whatever and so that's not a fully developed this- character scully student right and this kind of Mulder doesn't like her because she kind of like throws them under the bus a little bit right i don't really blame her i would have done the same thing well yeah they sort of because i guess they're not they there get in an official capacity they're there kind of helping her out yeah yeah because she just needed help because she's nervous she doesn't know what to do i thought that was a there's one part when Mulder calls cigarettes cancer sticks and it's it's interesting because he's just kind of talking about, he's not really talking about cigarette smoking men, but you see that that sort of, in a way, colored his opinion of Yeah, cigarettes. there's some fun intertextual stuff in this one, like when they they reference Squeeze, uh, like he when they're first in that crime scene, yeah. Scully goes over to the, she was looking at the vent in the wall, yeah. and her student's like, why are you looking at the heat register? She's <laughs> like, uh... Don't worry. You about never it. know. Or she's like, yeah. nobody can get in through there. He's like, you never know. There's such like a winking. <laughs> yeah. It's neat to see them reference back to another sort of yeah. standalone episode like they that. They don't really do that very yeah, exactly. much. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 I feel like it's neat anytime in a long running show like this where you're like, Jesus, they have so many adventures. It's also it's right. neat to see them That's acknowledge the that there's any kind of accumulation of experience. Yeah, we I, when Devin was on, I talked to him about how like they should be like, we've had a crazy year. Yeah, there's huge, like a, a, awesome. I I briefly got really hardcore back into like Batman comics. Like last year, I read like six years of Batman comics in like yeah. two weeks or something. And there was a great like run in the in like I guess like the mid two thousands. I think somebody's gonna be so mad at forgetting all of this wrong. Um, where basically like it was like Grant Morrison, and the idea basically was that this run of like super early Batman adventures that are really pretty weird. They're like yeah. one actual comics from the 30s where he was getting in some very not Batman-y stuff like yeah. he ends up on another planet well they didn't know what Batman was yet. Yeah. exactly he was just kind of any other hero and basically the premise of this storyline was all of that stuff happened over the course of like a year it all a happened to yeah. current Batman and did happen in like really really fast, and so it, it it was it was partially about like these sort of weird mental blocks or or psychoses that he had to develop to like even survive. Oh, that's great. that amount of and you're like oh yeah that's why he's fucking fucking so yeah. Batman all the time is because all so this fucking, shit happens to him he's all so the time. Fucking Batman all the time. This guy's so fucking Batman. Uh, all the time. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, he goes to a psychiatrist. Uh, so your diagnosis uh, pr- pr- predictable. <laughs> You're a little too fucking Batman about it. <laughs> you fucking Batman. I fucking I I had like a little Batman resurgence a little sure. bit ago. I read the new 52 and I got a Batman action figure, two of them. I got two of them. Around Arkham and stuff, those video games and right. I love comic books do that. Well they well they'll take stuff cuz 
Because Batman's sort of a character, like all of these, that we create kind of together in a way, because it's mm-hmm. had hundreds of writers, Absolutely. so many different incarnations. So when we think of Batman, there's yeah. so many different things that go into what Batman right. is, you know? But I always like when, an, and Grant Morrison does this really well, he does a little bit with Animal Man, where he takes that idea. Um, that's what I did it with, like, Crisis on Infinite Earths and mm. stuff. And take that idea of like different kinds of Batman and try and make sense of it right. in a narrative way in one world like collapse oh, yeah, it into absolutely. something that makes sense absolutely. I think that's like, cool literalize it I think is, is, is super cool literalize it that's right uh I, yeah, the uh, subatomic particles, the mysteries of the universe, the theoretical building blocks of the universe is how the doctor describes dark matter. I feel like we've done a great job explaining what this is. <laughs> really, really killed it. Um, I said that, uh, I noted, uh, if you notice, uh, when they run into Tony Shalhoub, he's on the train station. When he's trying to be incognito, he's wearing a jacket that has like a huge insignia of his lab on it with like a a drawing of the nucleus and the atom. Like maybe if you're trying to hide, get a different fucking jacket. Just at least get one from another lab. Just a different lab. Your rival lab, you can frame them for it. It's the least you can do. (laughs) Why do you have to wear it? Um, I was like, why is he running from the police? He should, you know, these guys seem to know. Why would he run away from them? But then it makes sense because he thinks the, the feds want them. The most interesting thing about this episode, other than Shalhoub's performance, I think, was the Mr. X betrayal, where he goes to Mr. Right. X, and Mr. X is, turns out to be the bad guy that's like, right. fucking gets him, and what a heartbreaking ending, well, huh? Well, it's such a nice... I, I hadn't... I, you know, I haven't um, watched these full seasons in, yeah. um, in since they aired, and a lot of them, I, I still missed a bunch of episodes because I was a kid, and I, you know, had a bedtime, Um but the uh, I, I I remembered enough and read in my little geeky um, X Files book when I was a kid about like you know the various episode summaries and it's such a cool thing to have happen right here that basically like Mulder's had this guy that he can kind of go to and be like hey can you fucking mysterious up yeah. some shit and tell yeah. me what the solution is uh, and- can you ex machina us <laughs> out of this. And to have that guy turn out to be like, first of all, be like, I can't help you, and yeah. then go and do completely his own yeah, and then mission. He, and when he says, I didn't kill him, you're like, oh, okay, he's good. And then you're like, no, much worse. Right. Much worse yes. than killing oh. him. Oh, so good. Well, this whole episode is kind of a weird, it was funny we were talking about Batman, because it is kind of a, it's so comic booky, right? But it is kind of a literalization of like one of those comic book stories where you have, you know, a guy who's trapped in a lab and he gets sprayed with a bunch of gamma rays and he becomes uh-huh. the Hulk or he gets bitten by a radioactive Total spider. Or he origin becomes, story. Exactly. Yeah. Except it's so much more how it would be in real life. Where, uh, you know, you it's he becomes this sort of uncontrollable mass. Yeah, it's not where he's cool. barely by the end he sort of uses it almost in a super villainy sort of way. Yeah, but like he's it's not something he can control. It's something he's desperately trying to contain about himself. Yeah, um, and it's 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 really neat to see that story kind of put in a more. I mean, it's obviously not documentary realism. It's the X Files, but it still is a more realistic context than in. Uh, you know, in uh, say say Comic original box. Silver Age Hulk or something. Yeah, yeah, you know? no, it's totally more grounded. And the ending of him sitting there and like one tear oh. rolls down his face. Oh. Brutal. He's very just... effective single tear. You rarely see an unironically effective single tear. Yeah, it, it no, really it was worked. really good. It's a really uh, devastating. He's just going to be sedated there for the rest of his life, right? As they oh. test him and do do experiments on him. 
I thought Mr. X had a great line where he, you know, Mulder says he thinks the government is out to get him, and he's like, "It's tax season." So do most Americans. <laughs> he's great at delivering oh, jokes. So good. He's had like three or four like one-liners that I can yeah. think of that are like all really funny, really well done. Oh, absolutely. That guy's a great actor. He's really good. I yeah. don't know too much about him. What is? He's from Twenty One Jump Street. Mm. He's like their boss in Twenty One Jump Street, and he shows up a lot. His name's Steve. I forget his name. It's like a very normal-sounding name, like. Steven Johnson or mm. something like that. but I, You're I, thinking of the porn star. Is, is there a porn star named Steven Johnson? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> there should be. There should be. Um, the normcore porn star, Steven Johnson. <laughs> he just says normal sex. Sometimes he's not fully hard. That's missionary. Yeah, it's just missionary. He has to kind of like... Sorry, I was a little drunker than I thought <laughs> is his big catchphrase. Exactly. Like, I'll come tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> normcore porn. That's a great sketch. Um, it's always in bed. Um, uh, the shadow on the wall thing when they get like burned into the wall, that is brutal because that really does happen with like atom bombs. Right, totally. Stuff, Super right? evocative. Yeah. Well, that's the, the great thing about the X-Files is it almost is kind of this. And I remember reading about that at the time. Uh, is the cat supposed to be out? Um, yeah, I think Emily. Oh, okay, cool. Emily let her out. Sorry, that's like my... No, thank you. Great fear and paranoia is letting the cat out. Hey, you once lost a dog and we found it. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I owe you guys a Wookiee life debt still. Um, but uh, it, it will. It is, it is that one of the great things about the show is that it is this weird shadow of whatever our fears and, and, and concerns are. And it so beautifully interweaves like things from history and like things from actual conspiracy theories. And things and, from right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it I mean or things from twenty years from when it's yeah. being made. Seemingly. I mean exactly. Well that's what's great about the show. Like, like you said, it, it in some ways it's an anthology show. And so you it's a show that can support just like a disease spreading and also a guy whose shadow is a black hole. Right. And still both seem like the same show. Like even though I thought to me Afe Masculata was a much uh, superior episode to this one. I did like watching this one, but I thought that one was like a really strongly written episode. They both felt like the same show. Like it, it's such a broad like it could do so many different kinds of things. Right. That's well, and I it was it speaks to how great the the uh, both the episodes are but but Afe Masculata where like it, in the blending of the conspiracy and the anthology aspects of it. Cause like, as soon as it finished my girlfriend, who's only ever seen like at this point, like two episodes of the show, cause <laughs> the only other time we watched it was when I was going to do the other podcast. And she's Did she like, see the I, disease one. Yeah. Okay. Which we of course like got home really late. We like sat down to like yeah. a late dinner, and then I'm immediately like, "Babe, I think you got to cover your eyes. I think this is one where a boar carcass explodes the in a most dude's gross face." Stuff in the world. Um, and so, but right as soon as that one finished, she was maybe going to go to bed. I was like, "Do you want to watch the next one?" Yeah. And she was like, "Uh, I." Th she was like, "Is it?" part of the same story and i was yeah. like probably not i think it's like a separate thing she's like oh okay maybe i'll like go to bed but there's something so great about how they can interweave those things where there's like the the super serialized aspect of it that ultimately you would, would see its full flower in say like a breaking bad and the super kind of law and ordery you know oh yeah or like twilight zone absolutely or something. Oh. yeah yeah, no, it's great. Uh, so this was Vince Gilligan's first episode. This is what he said. Again, I found this on Darren Mooney's blog. I wrote this one before I was on staff, and it was the last one I had. And it was the one I had the least uh, to do with. When I did my first draft, I didn't really understand the TV budget. I thought from watching the show and being a fan, they could, they could do anything. The first draft I turned in probably would have cost $13 million to produce. 
Uh, usually the episode costs two million. This is his idea. The original idea was my first draft had the shadow growing and growing. It moved independently of the guy and it would go after people. In the end, in the big neutron accelerator room, this thing went crazy and grew even larger and Mulder had to jump from a chair and hang from a pipe in the ceiling to avoid it. The cancer man locked it up in that Pentagon storage area. It was sort of crazy. Chris Carter and the other guys did a good job of reeling it back into reality. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And I do love, too, that system of, I don't think it really happens anymore except maybe in, like, children's TV, but of the like, you could freelance write. Oh, a, yeah. Like Star Trek, I guess that's how they wrote the entire oh. original series, was yeah. it would just be like, hey, the greatest random weirdo sci fi writers from all over this country come out of your basements and send us in a Star Trek, the original series script. And that's just the show. That's how we make the yeah, show is just you guys the write show. them, you send them in, and you could get them. Like, there was that whole storyline in Mad Men about that, where there was like, they would just accept like submissions, scripts. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's so, that's so neat. And it's such a part of it that I, you know, miss a little bit. And it's, it's cool to hear him. It's neat to hear somebody who you completely venerate, like a Vince Gilligan, have clearly a very, what is a very almost like young writer move, which is just like, we can do anything. Yeah, it's, it's a big TV black show. hole. And it gets bigger and bigger. That's awesome. And it's cool, yeah. too, because it is like, it still maintains some of that very, I, I think, uh, you know, obvious, but for a reason or, or, or kind of classic um, uh, uh, symbolism of the, the shadow, like this thing that is created that... We kind of is a is a is a reflection of us, or is a is a is a part of us, but we're terrified of at the same time. Like yeah. this thing that we're hoping to keep inside of ourselves, or keep people oh, away yeah, from, or keep them yeah, from, yeah. from knowing about. Like there, it's super interesting. There was a um, I don't know. I was just also thinking about shadows too, because there was some ep old episode of of uh, WTF that I was listening to where they were inter he was interviewing this psychiatrist who was talking about how he tells actors like you have a shadow self. It's like a thing or a secret or something about yourself that you're like ashamed of that you're hoping no one will see. And if you just actually bring that into the audition room with you, if you just let the shadow itself do like the thing that you're so worried about hiding, if you just let that like do the audition for you, he's like, they always book the part. And I just oh, thought that was wow. so neat. And it just, I think, speaks even beyond an acting context because I think that is, it's it's a little hippy-dippy and I, I, I have trouble sort of directly thinking about it or applying it to that exact context. That's but interesting. But like the idea that this thing that you're so desperate to hide or that you think, and we were talking about sharing stories earlier or people sharing their experiences, like I think there is this thing that we all have and it's different for everybody and we might not even be consciously aware of it that we're, we're about ourselves that we, we are so desperate to hide that a lot of times if you just sort of like... Here it is. Yeah, you it, the the fear of it evaporates, or if you can synthesize it with this sort of, you know, personality that you show, the yeah. other twenty three hours of the day. I think that's kind of the the goal of human life. That's in a weird way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow, that is really interesting. That's oh, just wow. to make it fully college dorm room. Yeah, you really piece. did. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Um, usually I go to message boards and then I read the messages from that. This time, I didn't have time to do that just because, you know, we've started uh, Silicon Valley and stuff. So it, it was tough. But thank you so much for coming, DC. That was awesome. Thank you for having me. Plug your shit. Um, I am at twitter.com slash DC Pearson. D-C-P-I-E-R-S-O-N. I have um, two uh, books out, uh, The Boy Who Couldn't Sleep and Never Had To and Crap Kingdom. Uh, if you like uh, sci-fi, fantasy, humor, uh, coming of age stories, adventures, you will like them. Please check them out. They're available wherever fine books are sold. You can also get them on Kindle. You can also get them on audiobook. I read them. And I think those are my main plugs. Twitter, 
and the books. Great. Thank you so much for coming, dude. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you for listening. That was DC Pearson. Um, somebody recommended, actually, had a really good suggestion. They said that they don't like it when at the end of episodes, I sort of tell them what I think of the next week's episodes. They're like, well, then I hear your opinion of them, and that kind of colors my experience of it. And I think that's a good suggestion. So next week, talking about Our Town and Anasazi. And that'll uh, kill season two. Uh, Devin Faraci, one of your guys' favorite guests, is going to be on, and he's doing a two-parter. So we're going to have him do the end of season two as well as the beginning of season three. But next week, it's Our Town and Anasazi. Anasazi's uh, the first uh, the first episode of the first three-parter that the X-Files ever did. Um, so, yeah. Uh, again, leave a good review on iTunes, please. And um, I'm working on trying to figure out when I'm going to get some of the writers and other people involved with the show on. Um, right now, I'm doing Silicon Valley, so things are a little crazy. But I'm planning something. I want to plan some sort of live X-Files files, and I'm already talking to people about it a little bit. So but stay tuned for more details on that. Uh, that should be really fun. All right. Thanks, guys. Audio. want to tell you guys about a really cool thing that Randy and I have been working on and Dan's been involved in this in, as well yes uh, we're building a fort we are building a fort <laughs> in no, some ways we kind of are a comedy fort of one sorts one of my favorite things that I see on social media is when someone posts a text chain between them and their mom or mm-hmm. them and a funny friend or two comedians two comedians and you get to see the interaction back and forth which is so fun at times there are text chains that we are on the three of us that oh, are yeah. the funniest things ever that only the three of us get to see so we had the idea along with a couple other people wouldn't it be great to allow people to be a fly on the wall of these conversations that happen between funny friends of ours and funny people just back and forth to us it would be really fun and so that is sort of the germ of the idea of a special app called banter and we want you guys to try it and check it out all you got to do is sign up for it. it's free you find it in the app store it's called banter b-a-n-t-e-r uh, get the app it's free and we want you guys to check it out and just pick conversations that are between two people and it the conversations play out in real time and you get to hear it it's curated so nobody's going to be embarrassed right. it's the best stuff but again if you have a couple of minutes you're sitting on the toilet you're waiting for a train you're hanging out so you, when you want something because I so many times this happens to me where I want a, just a quick blast of something funny a quick blast funny. of something and Twitter doesn't give it to me I want to see this conversation happening between two really funny people people and just get a laugh we all need that in our day so in order to do that check out banter and just download the app and uh, let us know what you think about it